moral or emotional injury, something that's affected the heart, um, something you're going to remember for the rest of your life, something that's impacted you. So that's a scar, whether it's good or bad. Um, Misbelief, delusion, error, falsehood, hallucination, illusion, misconception, untruth, misbelief, Uh, linger, to remain or stay on in a place longer than usual or unexpected, as if reluctant to leave. And reluctant means feeling or showing aversion, hesitation, unwillingness, so not willing to leave. Um, and let me give you a little background on James before I, I read the, the scripture. Um, this was interesting stuff that I, I studied um, as I was preparing for this. James, who wrote this, uh, is not the Apostle James that mo- many would think of. Uh, he died before this was written. This is Jesus' brother, uh, believed to be his oldest brother, James. And uh, you may know this, uh, but James did not believe that Jesus was Christ. So imagine living with <laughs> your brothers, and he had four that, I, that we know of, and some sisters, but they're not, they're not all mentioned uh, throughout the scripture, but James challenged Jesus constantly. Um, and you can see that in Matthew also. Uh, let's see, I believe, oh, sorry, that's John chapter 7. James actually challenges Christ, Jesus and says, go, show your miracles to the people. Show that you can create these miracles. Because at this point, he didn't believe in him. And you don't know how old James is when all of this is going on, but he's telling Jesus, if you are who you say you are, prove it. And Jesus said, it's not my time. So uh, just remember that this book is written by someone who knew, had a brother, had Jesus Christ living with him and, and you know, witnessing and, and talking about the love of God. And he didn't believe him until the crucifixion and the resurrection. And James was one of the first disciples that Jesus came back and talked to. And at that point, that's when uh, James was converted and, and started spreading the gospel. So just a little backstory on, on James. Um, it's written about 60 AD. So Jesus died 33 AD. So about 30 years after the death of Christ is when this book was written. Um, and it was written to Jewish Christians mainly. He talks about the 12 tribes. So um, as this was being written, the, the Christians, the Jewish Christians had, had scattered because uh, they witnessed the uh, stoning of Stephen. Um, and Stephen, if there's any example of just being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, Stephen was dragged out and stoned. And in his last moments, he asked God not to hold this sin against the people that were stoning him. And he spoke about looking up at heaven and seeing Jesus at the right hand of God. In his last words, while he's being stoned, he was thankful for what he was going through. And what you find to know during this stoning, the person who approved of it was Saul. He was standing there and, and, and said, let's stone this man. And that kind of leads to the... Uh, the road to Damascus where Saul is blinded, and we'll, I'll jump back into that later. Um, but yes, so this is an introduction to Saul and James, all in this, this 
persecution of Christians. So James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, uh, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the perseverance must be complete. That could be years that you, you experience this trial. But until you let God into your heart and you let him show you what that trial is for, you're going to be in that trial. That You're going to have to persevere until you get the lesson. Um, I'm going to read a short story. Um, I was looking at illustrations um, for how to be thankful in all things. Um, and I found something from Billy Graham. Uh, it was written November 21st of 2017, and it was titled, How to Be Thankful in All Things. Um, it says, Are you thankful no matter what? Perhaps you have lost your job recently, as the economy has continued to struggle. Or you may have lost your health, or a loved one. Such, such circumstances can be tremendously difficult, but even so, we all have much more to be thankful for. Look with me at a story of a man who had every right to be bitter, but wasn't. The next footsteps in the corridor, he knew, might be those of the guard taking him away to his execution. His only bed was the hard, cold stone floor of the dank, cramped prison cell. Not an hour passed when he was free from the constant irritation of chains and the pain of the iron manacles cutting into his wrists and his legs. Separated from friends, unjustly accused, brutally treated, if ever a person had a right to complain, it was this man, languishing, almost forgotten in a harsh Roman prison. But instead of complaints, his lips rang with the words of praise and thanksgiving. The man was the Apostle Paul, a man who had lean, learned the meaning of true thanksgiving, even in the midst of great adversity. Earlier, when he had been in prison, in prison in Rome, Paul wrote, Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to, the God, to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was Ephesians five nineteen and 20. So Paul, and we all know the story of Paul, um, Persecution, persecutor of Christians, blinded by Christ, and then, um, and then came to know the Lord. And I'm going to kind of give you a background on Paul also. Um, he killed believers, was made blind for three days on his trip to Damascus, and then uh, uh, the Holy Spirit came over Ananias, and uh, Ananias was in Damascus, and Ananias was asked to go find uh, Saul and lay hands on him and, and give him his sight back. Um, and this is uh, Ananias' response to that. And it's in Acts chapter 9. Um, where's my number? It says, get up and go. This is chapter 9, verse 11. Get up and go to the straight called straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he, is, since he is praying there. In a vision, 
he has seen a man named Ananias coming and placing his hands on him so that he can regain his sight. And Ananias replied, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites. And verse 16 I want to emphasize uh, because this is a man that's about to be a testimony to God or of God that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 16 says, I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. So we are not promised an easy life. Not anywhere in this Bible, in the Bible, will you see that we're going to have an easy life. Um, And I want to kind of expand on that promise. I call that a promise that I want to show him how much he'll suffer in my name. And for that, you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 23 through 28, and it reads, Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one. So Paul is saying, I'm a better servant of Christ. He's not boasting. He's about to tell them what suffering he, he has endured. He says, are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they the servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one. With far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, near death many times. Five times I received 39 lashes from Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the open country, dangers on the sea, and dangers among false brothers. Labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and lacking clothing. And if you go to the footnote uh, for 11 verse 23, it says, in any such comparison, Paul had suffered the most for anyone who claimed to to serve Christ. So Paul is the example of not having an easy life. Uh, But he was thankful all the way to the end for everything he endured. So we are going to face trials. Some of the trials is criticism. I mean, especially in this culture now, people criticize their, their friends more so than their enemies. So criticism is something we're going to have to endure. Uh, termination from job, financial struggles, these are just a few things that we go through. Um, being healthy. We have so much desire to have food or, you know, some of us do. I like to keep my round shape. Um, I love food. Um, so, but being healthy, the, we, we, we don't treat our body as the temple that Christ asks us to treat it as. Um, bad relationships. Young kids who have struggled and maybe not have the greatest examples at home of what a relationship looks like are going to have bad relationships. Um, substance abuse, 
whether it's drugs or alcohol, cigarettes, loss of loved ones, etc., etc. The, the list goes on. Those are trials that we're going to face. And just know each trial that you face is designed specifically for you. And there is a lesson to be learned in it. Um, there are three things to remember in hard times. One, remember God's love. The blame does not go to God or belong to God. Uh, so many times something happens to us and we ask, why, God, are you putting me through this? Why did you, you give me this trial? Why did you cause this? Why did you... We always question his will. But God didn't put us in that place. God is with us through it. And he's just wanting us to hold on to him and take him by the hand and let him just engulf us with his love. But too often we don't seek him. We seek those trials, those substances, those food, drugs, alcohol, parties, something to avoid to take our minds off of the struggle that we're going through. And all the while, God is right here, just waiting for us to to turn to him. So don't put the blame on God. It's, it's us where the blame lies. Uh, we misbelieve when we forget what it cost God to save us. God gave his son who died on the cross. And Jesus took pain and beatings, nails, suffering, so that we could have the life that we have because we do not deserve eternity in heaven. We don't live a life that God asked us to live. Uh, We misbelieve when we accuse God of mistreating us. We must replace falsehood with truth. Until we understand that it's our own pride, our ways that are put us in these situations, we'll never have that relationship with God that that he wants us, that he desires us to have. We must linger at the foot of the cross. So remember that that word linger, to remain or stay in a place longer than usual or expected. We should be reluctant to leave. The foot of the cross should be where we're at at all times, and we don't stay there. Because if we did, we wouldn't have the lives that we're, we're making for ourselves. We wouldn't make those decisions if we lingered in God's presence. Uh, remember God's goodness. Um, we are alive <laughs> because God wants us to be. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 uh, says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Everything we have is from Christ, from God. We did not do anything to earn it. I mean, we work hard, but if we're doing it for God's will, God's going to bless us. And too often, we take our blessings for granted. We do not thank God for the air that we breathe, for the ability to walk, the ability to see, smell, taste, hear things. I mean, you can go outside and it's just beautiful. How often do you just stop and look at the, the creation that God made and say thank you. 
Thank you for the green grass, for the, the, the rain, for the, the cars we have, the, the, the simple things in life, air that I breathe, another day to live and build another relationship. How often are you thankful for those things? If God did not forgive and keep forgiving, we would be completely lost. He is a good God, completely and unconditionally good, because He forgives us over and over and over for the poor decisions that we make. Third, remember God's grace. Salvation starts with God. A lot of time you'll hear people when they're telling their story, I found God. I found Christ. I found his love. No, you didn't find it. He pursued you. He pursued you. He's always been there. You just finally listened. You have to remember that. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So this, this I, I, in doing the study of this verse specifically, last night, uh, you know, talk about trials. I had this sermon scratched out in my notebook all week, and, and I told Heather, you know, we had a wedding last night, and we went out of town Friday and Saturday, so I, you know, I let myself be distracted. Um, but I knew I had the content of my sermon. I just had to put it in order. And so last night we got home late, and I think I stayed up till 1.30 uh, typing it because what I thought was already, I already had. God was like, no, no. You have the script, but I'm going to give you some more, some depth. And so in looking at this verse, uh, I was able to see, you know, it talks about the word being living um, and active. And that's where we lack that relationship, where we're missing it. Because you talk about God's grace, and, and you, don't, you may not see God's grace in him pointing out that you're flawed. But that is grace that, he, you know, he talks about penetrating the marrow, penetrating your soul, pointing out your flaws. That is grace. If someone could show me where I messed up and can fix myself, I would be utterly thankful. And God is there always doing that. You just have to open your hearts and let him do his work. Um, I didn't write down. I found a, a piece on the, the Internet. A pastor says, when we preach God's word... In the power of God's Spirit, it penetrates every heart, reveals every sin, exposes every excuse, shows us our need, and then leads us to the cross where we can be forgiving. We have to allow Christ into our deepest thoughts, our deepest pain, so that He can show the root and get rid of all the excuses and allow us to seek Him. And then we will experience that love, that peace, that patience, that kindness, and we can show it to others because now we feel it because we've broken down that barrier. Well, we have not. We have allowed God to break it down because we cannot break through the pain. 
Because if we try to go into our pain, we'll just sink further into it unless we have another dependence on Christ. And that's what we need. We just need to allow Him to open us up, open our hearts, and make the changes that need to be made. Oh, the third thing, so we were never promised an easy life. We are going to face trials. We need to be thankful. Um, I'm going to go through five or six verses as we, we get closer to the end. Uh, so here's the, the ways to be thankful. Um, I talked about seeing God's creation, and we just stop and thank God for that. Thank Him for the air we breathe. So the first thing is to f- give Him thank offerings. Uh, Psalm 50 verse 14 says, Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. Praise God when He's answering your prayers. And how often do we, does He answer our prayers? Every day. Um, and some people may say, how do I thank Him for the prayers that, that I've, I've asked to be, uh, that I've given to Him? Make a journal. Write them down. Every time you ask God for something, whether it's a little thing or a big thing, write it down and check it off as it happens. That way you can look back and you can be thankful for the things that happened yesterday and tomorrow and the days to come because God will answer your prayers if you go to Him with confidence and understanding that He is going to answer that prayer. So write it down, check it off, and thank Him for it. Um, second, don't worry. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You can pray for something and thank Him for it at the same time. That is confidence that God is going to answer that prayer. It doesn't mean it's going to be answered instantaneously, but in the future, he's going to answer it somehow. And that answer may not be something you like. It may not be a yes. It may not be a no. It may be a wait. Or it may be you, you just don't feel like you ever get it. He's answered your prayer. You just may not understand it. So ask for that understanding along with that prayer. God, give me a heart to serve. Thank you for saving me and, and putting me in this place where I'm at. Thank you for allowing me to be with these people. Show me your will. Third, devote yourselves to prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. How many of us pray <laughs> at least once a day? We don't even sacrifice the time to, to pray to God. I mean, and we, we talk about how busy our schedules are. <laughs> you have a schedule because he's given you a schedule. Pray while you're driving to work. Don't close your eyes. It doesn't say in the Bible that you have to bow your head and close your eyes. Pray while you're driving. I mean, that's time where you're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything. You're on, on the road. I, I pray every morning when I go to work. That's the time where I can spend with God. Um, next, give thanks always for everything. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 reads, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you're not going to have good, all, all good days. You're going to have bad days. But be thankful 
for those bad days because you're learning something and later down the road you may not see it, but you're going to help someone because they're going to see how you handled that trial. Mm, Excuse me. They're going to see the example that God has put in, that God is working in you. Next, give thanks in everything, and I put God's will. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wants you to be thankful, whether it's good or bad. He just wants you to come to him and speak with him, pray with him, talk with him, cry with him, laugh with him, weep. He's there. He's there to hold you and to, to guide you. Take advantage of this resource that's always been there. Whether it's good or bad, he knows it's bad. <laughs> he wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross if he knew we were going to have good for the rest of our lives. Why is it so important for us to be thankful? James 1.18 reads, he, has, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. It's not about now. It's about eternity. Grace is what takes us through the troubles and leads us home to God. We are first fruits. We are exhibit A of what God can do with fallible and broken people. And we just have to allow people to see that. See us in our brokenness and see the gift God has given us to get through it. And again, James 1, chapter James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Is my phone over there? I took a picture of something that I saw this week, uh, Uh, a little saying that just keeps popping up on my Facebook feed, and I thought it was very relevant, and I just want to close on that. Um, It says, Never be a prisoner of your past. It was just a lesson, not a life sentence. You went through that trial for a reason. Now use it. It was a lesson and you can teach others. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for today. Again, thank you so much for allowing me this ministry, this opportunity to to share your word with those that I see weekly. Lord, you've allowed me to be a minister in, in the church and at home with my children. Lord, I just ask that you continue to bless me break me down, open my heart, show me your love. Lord, help me to be that example to my children so that they can go to school and share your love with others, Lord, because love is something we all need. And there's so much brokenness, Lord. Lord, just be that example for everyone here today, Lord, that they leave this church 
and they go into the world and that their eyes can be open to the brokenness, that they can see it, Lord, and, and let others know that they're praying for them, that they're there to, to talk, not necessarily to solve the problem, but there to just listen and, and help others to see your love. Lord, we're all preachers, whether it's from a pulpit or from our home, from our work. Lord, help us to minister those that need your love. Help us to be the, the beacon of light. Lord, shine through us. Lord, help us to have the words to speak at the right time to a person that needs to see us, to see your love. Lord, help us to plant those seeds. Lord, I ask these things in your name. Amen.